Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You concentrate on the podcast, young man. All right. Do that in your own time. Yes. The Square Ball Podcast. To buy the Square Ball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. Halloween might be over, but the TSB podcast is still scared after Captain House and Patrick from Hades. We talk about the spine-tingling memories of spooky Leeds past and the dark fear that grips us when we try to predict Leeds scores. <laughs> Hello to you. Welcome to the Square Ball Podcast. And like Johnny Housen at his best, here's another smashing hat trick for you in the form of Michael Normanton. Hello. Moscow White. Right foot. And Oddie. Header. Left foot then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first up, let's uh, shamelessly whore ourselves off and, and plead with you to buy issue three of the Square Ball magazine. Uh, sales have been impacted by the fact that it's been on sale only at poorly attended midweek matches so far. Um, so rather than us lose money on this issue we would ask you to buy it if only because 10% of the cover price is going to be going to Lucas Radebeck's charity in South Africa uh, and the interview of course with the chief is in this issue a bit of an African theme running through it you can also buy it online right now if you fancy that uh, paper copies available on there or the digital download at the squareball.net forward slash shop uh, next up in podcast uh, 16 we said we'd give away a copy of the new Leeds United book by John Mewis. It's called Leeds United on this day. We will be announcing the winner of that book later on in the podcast. And if you would like to get in touch with us for any reason whatsoever, you can email podcast at thesquareball.net. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter as well at the Squareball. First things first then, let's get white watching. Three games to cover in this particular uh, band of matches. We've got... Uh, the defeat to Leicester City at home, 2-1 on Tuesday the 19th. Monday the 25th then, Leeds United nil, Cardiff City 4, followed by something of a reversal on that theme. Saturday the 30th, Scunthorpe 1, Leeds 4. It's becoming a bit of a regular feature of this podcast that we get tonked and then pull off a good win to sort of mitigate the disaster somewhat, isn't it? It's the Bradley Johnson factor. I think we discussed earlier that he keeps uh, playing really badly and we think he's got to be dropped and then he, he scores a goal or, or sets one up and we think, oh. He's going to have to stay in the team. Leeds United seems to have just taken on Bradley Johnson's personality as their defining, defining trait. And just when you think we're going to have to close the football club down entirely, they win 4-1. Which is good. <laughs> it should make the predictions section easier though, shouldn't it? <laughs> we're going to lose heavily. Lose yeah, heavily. Win one. Lose two, win one. 
Well, let's go back to the start of the fortnight. Um, Leicester did indeed turn us over and, uh, and turned it on for their new boss, Sven, as we hoped they wouldn't. A bit worrying how they just, well, essentially completely overran us all over the field. Definitely the most depressing of the two defeats, just because on paper you look at their side and they don't look that good and they absolutely took us apart. They could have been about three or four up by the time we um, we changed it. Johnson again came on um, and it did make us look more steady, but it still didn't. We never looked like it was scoring at any point, really. And it was just a continuation of uh, of our shocking form, really, at home. Does it say a lot about the quality of our team and our squad that we basically had to sacrifice our own attacking threat to try and contain them uh, with that 4-5-1, as you just say? He shoved Sommer out onto the wing, didn't he? And, he? and that made him completely ineffectual in that match. I think he was should have been a bit bolder, maybe, in taking Sommer off, because he was it's not his position out there, and he just looked lost. And equally... As we saw, we're taking fire off. It changed. That's changed the shape of the team. So I'm, I wonder if we're still tinkering with it to get just get the balance right in there. At and least maybe... he tried to do something about it. A bit too early to haul someone off after about 20 minutes or 30 minutes when you they're just passing around you like a great big passing thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a problem with coming straight out of Middlesbrough, where exactly the same team performed well enough to beat a sub-average Championship team, which is what we thought we were up against in Leicester. Exactly the same eleven players just couldn't get near to Leicester City, and um, and yeah, it's like the changes that could have been made before the match. Um, I think it's totally fair enough that they weren't, and then but at least we didn't hang around. Snowden apparently came uh, belting it down from his position in the director's box, where it was also reported that Norman Hunter was banging his head against a desk in despair <laughs> after twenty minutes, and um, and we we made the changes. Which the criticism in the Preston game was that uh, Grayson wasn't. Um, Sort of bold enough to, to to change anything, he just suddenly let it happen. Whereas this time, he, he did completely the other thing, and uh, we still lost. What I found most worrying about it was you look at a team like Leicester, who are just passing it in triangles quickly to feet. And why can't we do that? Why won't we do that? It's one of the most basic things in football, isn't it? Pass quickly, move. You know, it's, it maybe just have better players than us. Yeah, but how good do you need to be to be able to pass to your teammates in a, in a strategy that involves moving into a space? You know. <laughs> close to where you're likely to receive it rather than standing there looking gormless. They were near the bottom of the league anyway, so not been doing that regularly before that. Just seems everybody comes to Leeds and they can suddenly do it. It was too easy for them. That's, uh... I think we, we we praised on here in, after the Middlesbrough game, Faye and Watt, and then they both looked hopeless. I don't, neither of them really looked fit right from the off. Faye was living up to his... Was it Who were you who was talking about him being the wardrobe? He was very wardrobe-like, <laughs> didn't really get near anything. He just sort of mainly chased shadows. He hasn't what, looked right. Barely touched it. Even the Middlesbrough game, there's been times when people have gone past him and I, I don't think he's um, he's the Mickey Doyle we were looking for. Um, unless <laughs> no he one can, was looking uh, for Mickey Doyle. But he, um, and, and then against Cardiff... He, he wasn't um, He wasn't in the running and it was after he, he went off on, against Scunthorpe and that things uh, picked up there. So, um, I, again, retrospectively sort of defending Grayson a little bit, the, he was seen as the cure-all against Preston and people couldn't understand why he wasn't getting on. And it looks like, well, because he's, he's not fit enough and he's not strong he's, enough. Do you think he's going to be shipped out in January then, end of that contract? I wonder if Grayson really wants him in the team and he, he sort of knows he's not fit at the moment but he's just giving him the games so that hopefully come December he will be then well, he's, he's going to need to be fit for Christmas isn't he because that's always hectic and if he's not cutting it by then then 
why are we going to be retaining him? And that's it. I mean, he is a quality player, and we've seen bits of it that he that fit Fi is uh, a, a, at least as good as any of the midfielders we've got. Probably a, a great deal better. But if he's not fit, there's no point. Do you think, given the, uh, the sort of uh, I don't want to use the term crisis meeting, but the uh, the, the talks that that Grayson and, and Bates have had, as has been reported. That they've established. I mean, they knew we knew that central midfield was a problem anyway. But do you think they've established the fact that they're going to have to go out now and spend a bit of money and get somebody, and possibly that might spell the end for Faye? I'm still. I don't think we will spend money personally. I was thinking about um, this after the the Cardiff game, especially. These we've sort of given a lot of the players from last season a chance to to because people always talk about people sort of sabotaging promotion runs because they know they're not going to play the next season, like. Uh, the Andy Hughes factor, like you, you think, well, he, why would he be interested in promotion? Because it means he'll be out of the team. And I think players like Housen and Kilkenny and Johnson have been told, well, this is your chance now. You've got us here, so you've got this is your chance playing midfield and uh, and see if you can do it in a higher level every week. And they haven't really, certainly not consistently. But we've we've brought in. I mean, we saw a bit of Nunes um, against uh, Cardiff. Did he come on against Leicester? I think he did. Not against not Leicester. Not against Leicester. They all play in blue. Um, <laughs> so we've seen a bit of Nunes, and Clayton is there, who seems he seems a bit like Housen 2.0 in a sort of a miscellaneous midfield style, but a bit younger. So we have sort of got the players waiting. Lloyd Sam as well, who who can take their places if they aren't good enough. But they're not going to all be brought in at once because great, we all know that Grayson is quite loyal to his players and doesn't like making lots of changes at once. But we could. I could see even with the squad we've got, we could end up the season with end the season with a completely different team to the one that started it, without even buying anybody. So some total of that um, long ambling rubbish is that we'll probably just bring in some lone players. I think that's the problem. We've got quantity rather than quality. Rather than bringing in a proven midfielder at this level, we've got in Nunes and we've got Clayton, who's not even playing more than five minutes at once. Yeah. And we've got Fire on a free, and I, we're just kind of stockpiling these. Well, Fire is proven players. quality. He's just not fit. Well, he sort of is, but in the same way as if you signed Maradona, you could say he's proven quality. <laughs> it doesn't mean yeah. he's in any shape to be playing football. Um, Lloyd Sam. He'll be going to Garfath next. <laughs> Lloyd Sam um, was good for Charlton. He's played in this division before and looked good at the start of the season. Is he not injured? Well, yeah, but we're talking season long, right. aren't we? So he he could uh, um, and Sanchez as well. Yeah, we got him um, for a season. Yeah. So it's it's a mixture. And Nunes, the little bit that we saw, oh, he looks um, good. He does look it, yeah. he does look good. I'm not quite as prepared to completely lose my shit about him as, uh, <laughs> as some people are, but um, it was certainly a positive debut. He was spotted in Oceania as well, sporting a magnificent. Um, Burberry shirt and Burberry scarf combo, which is worth mentioning. To be fair, probably fitting all right. Oceana, <laughs> if, you're, if you're not familiar with Leeds and the nightclub chain, uh, massive high street nightclub chain, Oceana, chrome and carpets sort of thing. It's an awful nightclub, really, in the centre of Leeds. Full of footballers who yeah. match Burberry with Burberry. Well, let's talk about Nunes quickly then. He showed good intentions, prepared to receive the ball. He was looking for it, turn and face defenders. Uh, head on, which again something we seem to be lacking. Players will turn on the ball and be more direct. Hopefully, you know, hopefully he's not going to fizzle out. And yeah, I was about to say we'll train disappear. that out of him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wear him down, will we? He looks good from what we've we've seen of him. He's 
a different kind of um, midfielding we've got because he actually is willing to drive through the middle with the ball, which you could see when he's come on. He has stretched teams in a way that no one else has managed to do because he's he's forcing people out of position as they're trying to trying to cover his run. So I mean, even if he just comes off the bench for now, it at least gives us an option rather than, like you say, bringing Clayton on for. Johnson, or you know, a change that you don't really Johnson know. Johnson on for Kilkenny, or Kilkenny on for House, and interchangeable generic midfielders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's a different. He had he had something um, a little bit different rather than just being a genre player. This could also be completely made up because he's got a fancy name. Well, Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did fear when we spoke on the last podcast that Bellamy was going to tear us a, a new back door, uh, and really the fears were totally justified because we got. Severely outclassed, didn't we? Didn't think Bellamy played that well. I'm gonna throw that out there. No, I don't, I don't think he did either. I don't think he was the single danger man. But no. then again, uh, you were watching the shape that, that Cardiff took, and he was, you know, he'd break down the left, they'd pass it to him, then he'd square it or pull it back, and it's like, have we not worked out? This is what they're doing every single time. He was given freedom to play more or less wherever he wanted, wasn't he? I was saying at the time, it reminded me of when the PE teacher used to join in when you were about <laughs> eleven. And you had a, a man running around on the pitch, and he just basically do whatever he wanted, and he was much better than everyone else, and it wasn't really fair. And it, that's how it was. It was like Brian Glover and Kez. Well, there was that air about him being a like Brian Glover and Kez because he threw the ball away in a massive show of descent in the second half. Any sign of a booking? Well, no, because it's Craig Bellamy. He he punched uh, Robert Snodgrass in the bollocks in a tackle and walked away doing that in Ayatollah thing that they do. It was just annoying, and he he, he was um, he seemed to be trying to play it like a Harlem Globetrotter when his his actual performance um, I don't think merited that. I thought that um, as a team Cardiff were obviously much better, but as a player Bellamy, I've I've no time for dwarves of any form. <laughs> Apologies if you're listening and you're short, but you know going to be in trouble if Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's on any any time soon, aren't you? Um, returning to that game then. It, it was all just about a golfing class, wasn't it? Like you said, as a, as a team performance, when you stack the two up. Obviously, they've spent time putting their team together. Spent money putting their team money, together. Time and money, yeah. And we're, that we're they don't have. Yeah, yeah, and we're, we're the opposite. Well, that's what's even more annoying, isn't it, that Ridsdale's gamble is actually going to probably pay off this season. And that, that annoys me deeply. Yeah, still... I bet their front three's wages is more than our entire squads, probably. Because Bellamy's on, admittedly, they're not paying all of it, but he's earning about £80,000 a week or something. Which I imagine is not far off what our entire first first eleven is earning. It's sad then that um, sort of one of the players that we would identify as, as completely class in our team or our squad even, Casper uh, Schmeichel, was he at fault for that opening goal? You've got to say so. It's you? hard to say. It's, it depends who called for it, and if he shouted for it and Bruce sort of dummied it in the way he did, then it's his fault. But then they managed to do exactly mm. the same thing at Scunthorpe as well. Yeah, they highlighted it on um, on Sky at half time and, and suggested that. Um, Bruce couldn't work out if it was Collins or Schmeichel had shouted. Like he kind of Schmeichel shouts and and Bruce looks at Collins. So you could almost just put it down to they've not played together very often. But should should the keeper not be taking charge there? No matter well, he who tried and he, in, he, well, he it was a long it, way from the He did, he did yeah. have it in his hand. <clears throat> so it was a handling so, error then. It, it, it was his fault, I think. Yeah. And we would add to that. I mean, um, he didn't look um, too good for the uh, some of the other goals. And um, on the the commentary for the Scunthorpe game, Eddie Gray said, "You know the boy, the boy. You know, uh, I think he's put a bit of weight on. He does look a bit porky. Yeah. So is he maybe been? I mean, the fact that we don't have any fit goalkeepers, so we've we've rushed our good one back. He looked a lot less porky than Brown, though. To well, be fair. he looked as you 
pointed out was like John Barnes. <laughs> John Barnes now. Yeah. <laughs> well, on to Scunthorpe then. Well, well, before we move on to Scunthorpe, we should talk about um, Jay Bothroyd and the, uh, that the, the conspiracy of the Welsh FA. To, uh, it's surprising that they uh, they refuse to take action against uh, one of their affiliate, well, one of their two um, in clubs of any importance whatsoever. I, I once met the Welsh FA in a hotel in oh. Chester. Yes, it was the executive committee was there, and they're having a little uh, a little works jolly, and it was just a bunch of old men in suits getting pissed up. Me and the missus for a little romantic break in a nice little sort of country hotel just outside Chester. It wasn't that nice a hotel. Got a nice deal. I think it was laterooms.com. Uh, anyway. What is this? <laughs> but the point is, yeah, that I think they're just a bunch of uh, back scratchers, you know, and it's, it's, it's an old boys club they're not bothered about. It was an awful Because they did it before the FA Cup final, didn't they? Was it Darren Purse got that red card yeah. or they rescinded it or something? And it's, it is stupid. It's it, it, if you want to be having the, uh, the Welsh FA letting you get away with your uh, potentially leg-breaking tackles, go and play in Wales and then they can have all the jurisdiction over you that you want. But if you're going to play in the uh, in the English leagues, show a little bit of respect to uh, English players like Chocolate Luciano Becchio, <laughs> <laughs> who uh, who don't have to put up with you coming. I mean, it was a bloody awful tackle, and it's strange Becchio who gets so much grief for uh, for going down under soft tackles and rolling around as if he'd been shot. Just got up and walked away and just carried on playing, even though he was limping and clearly in a lot of pain. It's like almost perhaps maybe if we'd left it a fortnight before having the chat with him to stop rolling around and, uh, and diving all the time, <laughs> we might have got both Roy sent off and stood a chance in the game. Well, let's go on to the Scunthorpe game now then and, and pick out the, the positives. Uh, we have touched on it. Perhaps we flattered to deceive a little bit in some respects. Is that a fair comment? Michael, you were there. I wasn't. I'd probably like to add. Uh, you may, Oh, you managed to get a ticket, didn't you? Yeah. Even though we mentioned on the last podcast that um, neither of us got one because you bollocked up our application. Um, yeah, the game was. <laughs> yeah, I, I did get the ticket. I had a lovely day doing the garden. I was in the garden all afternoon. <laughs> yeah, the first half it was a bit of a continuation of the previous two games. We looked pretty awful, and we were very lucky to take the lead. We didn't really create any other chances, and then second half we brought on brought on Housen, It seemed. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> that was that. I like what you put on Twitter. Somebody's found his on Twitch. It was. That's what. That's how it felt. It was like he come out for the second half, and somebody said, "Oh, you can. You're allowed to play now." And he went, "Oh, brilliant!" And then he completely ran it. Well, even he has uh, said since that he's, he's grateful to Grayson for playing him in his natural position with uh, Fi and um, Kilkenny the side. Even though it, the hat trick, the magic happened when uh, when Fi had gone off and um, Johnson came on. Um, but yeah, he he definitely seemed to think it happened because he was playing in front of two midfielders instead of uh, behind two midfielders. The problem with the midfield in the first half was that Kilkenny's naturally quite a deep lying player, but he's not at all defensive. He's just kind of the sprays just can't passes be down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he basically can't run, so he just stands in front of the back four and picks up the ball and passes it about a bit. But because Fi was in his position there, Kilkenny was forced further forward. And then you really notice how slow he is when he's <laughs> when he's in midfield and he's actually having to get to fifty fifties and put tackles in. It makes us really lightweight in the middle. Um, and then when Johnson came on, it, everything kind of reverted back round, and he, he was then able to drop a bit deeper because Johnson wasn't playing quite so far back as uh, as Fai had. Um, and the the shape all just seemed to work a lot better. Come on, then, just from the first hand perspective, talk us through the hat trick. <laughs> oh, hey, it was a lefty and a righty and a header. It was, it was um, the first one was a really good finish. The angle it showed it on TV, I don't think 
quite showed it because it was fairly if, if ball was fairly high when he struck it. Second one was the header. That was a header. <laughs> In-depth <laughs> analysis. Yeah. Well, it was, there's not much to say about it, is there really? Had you been drinking? I hadn't. I was completely sober. This is the first podcast I've seen every game sober. <laughs> this is this is going to be some insightful stuff. <laughs> uh, then third goal, right footer, wasn't it as well? Yeah, lovely finish. I mean, he, he can clearly finish. You almost wonder why he doesn't have more shots. When you compare him to someone like Johnson, who <laughs> hits about 80 shots a game. L- literally the scattergun approach. <clears throat> yeah, he just, yeah, just is obviously thinking, if I, if I keep doing it, one will go in eventually. <laughs> um, Housen, I'm not sure where he'd get these stats, but his shots to goals ratio must be pretty impressive. Is that what we've said before, that he's not had a defined role? Once he gets, if he's playing behind the front striker, he's got a role to roam anywhere, uh, get the ball, do what he wants. If he's stuck in a mid three, midfield of three that are all doing the same thing, you generic midfielder, as we said. After, after Leicester, I was ready to write him off because I, yeah. I, I had a run, mad rush of blood to the head at the ticket office and treat myself to a <laughs> treat, and treat myself to a thirty-two pound ticket in the uh, in the East Stand. And got a very decent close-up view of, of midfield, and I was ready to write him off after that game. I thought he's, ju- he's just not good enough. But then, you know, he, he then pops up a couple of games later and does this. But is it that he's more suited to this advanced role? We now found, you know, maybe what his niche is. Well, like you, I, after the um, all the criticism after the Leicester and Cardiff game, I mean, the pressure mounted on on Grayson probably to a, an unreasonable degree, and I, I started to think, well, what about the players? Housen has been here. Seen as relegated, toiling through uh, Division One um, without particularly going anywhere, and now um, he is part of our sort of average season in the Championship. Why isn't he being sacked? If he's seeing how many more managers is he going to see off? And and yet it now looks like if we just build a team around him, um, he'll 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 perform. But maybe that is. I mean, it seems a, it's a bit of an ask for a twenty-two-year-old who spent most of his career in Division Three to that he will play here and everything else will happen around him because that will bring out his best. But, but that's what t- teams works. do. If you've yeah. got a player who's good in that respect. You know? Just put the uh, put the egos aside and build a team around him. Gets my vote. As I said before, he's getting we're getting more good games out of him than bad. So hopefully as the season progresses, and he has lifted up a gear in terms of the division, as the whole midfield has. So hopefully by the end of come Christmas, New Year, he's getting to grips with the whole a, a better league. And we can move on and hopefully be the captain we need. Well, this is, it's got to be a test for him now because we always look <clears> at, again, the comparison with Grayson. We'll say, how is Grayson going to bounce back from uh, from these defeats? And how is he going to kick on from here? What's his change going to be? I would just go look at House and say, how are you going to follow this up? You've, you've finally proved to us what a good player you can be in 45 minutes at Scunthorpe. <laughs> How are you going to do that again next week and the week after? It's and, consistency we need. Yeah, how are you going to make yeah. sure you just don't drop back into that? Anonymous shadow. That, um, but not just out of him. It's a, it's a team. Yeah, it's the players behind him yeah, as much as anything, right. isn't it? As well. Yeah. Talking well, of captains, I saw Richard Neller in Weatherby on Saturday afternoon. So he obviously didn't go to the game. He's out shopping. Yeah, with the missus. <laughs> Was um, he drunk? I couldn't possibly say. Quick look at the injury situation. Then uh, now, Casper Schmeichel, as we know, is back. Billy Painter finally pulled on the white shirt. How did he look in his first competitive game? He looks all right, actually. His boobs have gone down a little bit since the the shirt, um, the shirt launch. Um, he, yeah, he had a shot where he should have really squared it, but I suppose you can't blame him for wanting to get on the uh, get on the score sheet. Uh, but no, he looked all right. And yet, Casper's boobs have grown. Yeah, they have definitely. <laughs> Explain he's that. Yeah, he's looking a little bit parky. Maybe this boob parity must always be held in the uh, Leeds United squad. 
Well, they're coming off the treatment table. Uh, going onto the treatment table, um, Naylor currently injured. Well, Boy- what's striding around Weatherby with a bottle of whiskey in her and <laughs> no care in the world, according to Waddy. <laughs> no, that was me. <laughs> Lloyd Sam, this is dragging on now. He's sort of become injured from nowhere that we didn't really know about and he's it seems to be out in one of these mysterious long-term, medium-term injuries. You're about to mention McCormack as well, who, yeah, again, we don't really remember him getting hurt. You know, never quite got fit and now he seems to have picked up a, a knock or a reaction to the injury that he had. Our old medical facility is really poor because no one's ever out for less time. Everyone's always out for like a few weeks and then it ends up... It is what it is, though, isn't it? I... I Times are tough. It's the cast of doctors that are treating them now. <laughs> the cheaper. I was a bit nonplussed yeah. when people complained about us not knowing about the details of injuries. We never really did. I will say, it's in the pre-internet days, we wouldn't have a clue. You turn up on Saturday, they need to be on the pitch or they'd be injured. That's when you found out. You had a phone club call to find Yes, out exactly. <laughs> 50p a minute to know if uh, Ross McCormack had injured himself backing his car around. Uh, no, I can't talk about it. Uh, well, perhaps we've just him become... Car is, no. but perhaps we have just become a little bit accustomed to that sort of Sky Sports newsy thing of, you know, people releasing details and everything, you know, Rooney's out for five to six weeks to say, you know, that sort of thing where we get full deep. We expect now in this 24-hour rolling news era to have everything spelled out to us because they're not. We're yeah. complaining a bit. Everyone so. needs to just take a step back. Nothing to, see, nothing to see here, move on. Yeah, yeah. and w- we'll find out they're not injured when they're um, when they're limping around midfield like Andy Fay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to the transfer market now, uh, the big news um, worth screeching about. Andy O'Brien signed up for a month. On, a, uh, on an emergency loan. Sorry for my saved by the bell pun. I couldn't help it there. Um, should add some desperately needed quality to the defence. He looks all right, actually. I say he's not played much this season. He, he did look an improvement. I think it was his man that scored the goal. But that aside... His mum? His man. It may have been his mum. I think it was his man. Mrs O'Brien. <laughs> Grayson said when he brought him in, he didn't really mention his, um, his footballing qualities, but it was all about his personality and his talking and his sort of influence that he said that he was hoping would have a, a positive effect and then um, and then Kilkenny's back in the team who I think is somebody who would benefit from somebody with a with a bit of attitude and house and as well as somebody scored a hat trick so you do wonder if having a, a, an actual personality um, in the team would our, our again generic anonymous um, midfield of children <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea he used to play for us as well he was in the he was. academy mm. we let him go he said he got kicked out because there were too many good players, didn't he? It's almost like an X Factor style journey, isn't it? <laughs> God, tedious. A fucking long one. <laughs> uh, we've also got uh, George McCartney here for another month. You know, Sunderland. So let, it, let it be. It's another month without Bissoni. You missed my Beatles pun then. I heard your Beatles oh, pun. You just right? it. I enjoyed your Beatles funny. pun. Feddy's uh, back fit, isn't he? We should have mentioned that in the injuries, but he's fit now but I think most people not, were hoping <laughs> not needed at the moment well the other one that we didn't mention in injuries but is Parker um, keeps getting 90 minutes is under his belt here and there in the reserves which um, uh, the longer he goes without um, without collapsing again uh, the better because I'd rather see him return at left back than Bassoni no one's really sure, sure how good Parker is are they no he's, he's not actually had a decent run in the team for such a long time his last decent run was Mill against Mill yeah. wasn't it literally <laughs> literally when he Around the length of Ellen Road. He might all... come back and it, he'll be absolutely rubbish. He might be worse than Bassoni when he comes back. We don't, we don't really know. Let's not even think about that. <laughs> it's uh, worth a punt, though, isn't it? I'm, I'm up for just sticking in there and seeing what happens. 
and then hounding him out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll treat him like David Robertson. I'll boo his every touch. More news from Thorpe Arch then. Academy manager Neil Thompson and his assistant Daryl Pugh both left the club by mutual consent as part of a review and restructure. What does this now mean for the youth setup? Well, hopefully they'll be replaced. Gwyn Williams seems his portfolio um, is ever expanding and he's in temporary charge. But um, it would be nice if we could start getting some players from the youth team again. Tom Lee seems to be going very well at um, Berry. They all seem to like him there. And uh, what's-his-face has gone to Tranmere. Who's at Tranmere? He's got slightly unusual... Darville. Darville, yeah. And the, he's, so he's, he's playing first-team football every week. Alan Martin? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, and, and Grayson sort of half-justified the Clayton signing by saying that we need to restock with the youth team, which almost made it sound like a he was a character on Emmerdale going to a cattle auction we need to get some new... You stock in because the, the the cows we've got ruminating on the Thorpe Arch pitches that we're renting are um, ain't worth the the beef on their scrawny hides. <laughs> Pulling it back to earth, the production line. I know you've mentioned a few players there, but the, the production line the abattoir, as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> the production line seems to have dried up a little bit, doesn't it? We're, we're losing that regular you know drip through of players. It seems into the first team. <clears throat> And the, we I mean, don't need them with all those free loan signings. Yeah, got four thousand midfielders. Yeah, I mean, but the, I mean, you look at the youth team as well, and it's and it's a, a bad sign when they they're getting battered every single week at the minute, aren't they? Yeah, it is worrying because you see, admittedly, second-hand reports on um, on Wacko with people who know people who were involved with the youth setup and say it's nothing like it used to be, and there's people taking their kids out of it to go elsewhere. Obviously, that's you've got to look at the probably getting paid a lot more elsewhere as well when the people get houses bought for them by Man City or whatever to get to get their kids in their academy or whatever because you know, I know you're not allowed to officially have transfer funds but I don't think anyone doubts that little bits of uh, of cash do exchange hands here and there so you I mean you never know if it's just that that's causing the issue it's even just the jump from third division as as we have been so recently to the, to the premier league so we've got a premier league acad- well facility. premier league buildings premier league facility um that we don't own but we're not in the premier league so career prospects wise you can understand the young player making that move. It happens like we nicked Delph off Bradford because yeah. presumably at the time he looked at us in the Premiership and thought, well, I'd rather be there than toiling away in uh, in League One. Well, and it's against the backdrop of this huge amount of money that's in the Premier League and the 25-man squad rule. I think they touched on it in the Football Ramble podcast. They said something along the lines that a lot of teams are known for just stockpiling youngsters. Yeah, they, they, it's like they get ten thousand youngsters. Yeah, they just mm-hmm. troll all the uh, the lower leagues and anyone who looks half decent. It was Tywo. Is it Tywo that's ended up at Carlisle? The, yeah, the Chelsea um, released him now. Stole from us. I haven't read the full interview, but he said he he was um, he was at Chelsea and just realised that he was nowhere near as good as any of the other players. Didn't know what he was doing there, and then just took any opportunity to go and play somewhere else because he knew he was out of his depth. And so the common sense thing, retrospectively, is he should have stayed at Leeds, where he would have been more comfortable and perhaps would have developed in a in a different way. But if you've got a, the the opportunity of a career with Chelsea, then you can stand. Okay, we've sacked, well, left by mutual consent, the management of the academy as part of a structure review that the, the club say they've undertaken so we have to see what the next stage of the uh, of the structure review is going to be because you have to hope it didn't end at sack them so our, our vision for the new Thorpe Arch Academy to bring youth team players to the future sack Neil Thompson 
there is no <laughs> there is no step two. But there's got to be a Chuck step him a two. ball, let him have a kick about. <laughs> Natural talent. Three and in. Yeah. Well, you mentioned um, Tyo being at Carlisle then, which links nicely into uh, to Grella Watch. Uh, Mikey's been up there, scored a couple uh, up at Brunton Park. Probably very desperate to prove himself up there just so he can get out of the town and <laughs> get back to civilization. Have we seen the goals? Yeah, I've seen them. Do Any good? No, it's all tappings really. But, mm. but to be fair, they're the sorts of goals I didn't really think he'd score because it. When from what we've seen of him, he doesn't look like a very instinctive right place at the right time kind of striker. So. Oldham, the three touch goal in the FA Cup. Yeah, it's always rankled with me. Just whack it in, you yank son. <laughs> the oh. fans seem to like him, but then I suppose it's a long time since we've seen a human man. Most of them, most of them haven't heard of America. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably going around there with going around all the pubs with uh, nylons and chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say impregnating all the ladies, but that's not going to happen, is it? Not there. It's all wasted on his tissues by his laptop. <laughs> that harking back to Pound Camp, if you're not sure what we're talking <laughs> about. Go back through the old podcasts, all will be explained on that. Good to have to crack on. Um, a quick update on our support levels, I would say, this, this particular point. Coventry game now sold out. We've got 6,200 tickets for that. We mentioned last time it was 5,200. We've got an extra thousand. Sold them all. That's good, isn't it? Back slaps all round. Aren't we a big club? However, how... Can we sort of reconcile the disparity? Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Between the home crowds and the away crowds, can we put it down to ticket prices? What's the... Yes. Home crowds, uh, home games are more money and less fun. And we keep losing. It it isn't any fun watching us lose at Ellen Road, whereas watching us lose away from home can be quite fun still. Through a boozy haze of... Cider for breakfast. Crowds for the Leicester and Cardiff matches, 22,775 for Leicester and 20,747 for Cardiff. All right, it was on the telly. It's not encouraging, is it, when we can only sort of pull that many through? I mean, another point I've got here to cover is um, Ken Bates versus Sky, his, his recent railing against Sky. I mean, do we have any sympathy for that position, saying that the, the, the home matches when we're on Sky are costing us revenue? I would have sympathy 
if it wasn't all just about revenue, if he was saying... Well, he did say it inconven- inconveniences fans, didn't but he? But sold us 30 quid for a ticket. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, the idea that Ken Bates is, is railing against Sky out of some feeling of charity for Leeds United's fans getting a, a raw deal, something about that That's doesn't quite job. add up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, mate. I'm the one who uh, <laughs> who scarves all the money out of these poor sods. But it, I mean, it's right. I mean, we spoke last time that the yanking around of that fixture was just ridiculous. Moving it from Saturday three to Saturday lunchtime to Monday night to Wednesday morning to <laughs> whenever Sky felt get a decent the, market for it. The police as well seem to take an approach of not bringing any Cardiff fans into the stadium until it kicked off. That's right, yeah. They they said... Um, I don't they, know if that was a deliberate policy, but it was completely empty. They have two less, options, yeah. apparently. They either bring them in really early or bring them in after kickoff. And because of all the... Um, it was the first night of uh, Gridlock Leeds when there was all the roadworks on the on the Yeah, probably worth mentioning if anybody who's not familiar with Leeds, every route into and out of Leeds at the minute, major route, has got roadworks on it and tailbacks are hellish, aren't they? Yeah, so, well, not if you walk home. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so they they ended up being um, delayed in the roadworks, and so uh, and so they went to Plan B and, and kept them outside until the game started. Because I, I I did I looked <coughs> over from my uh, my lofty perch and I thought not many of them come tonight, and then all of a sudden it was yeah. full. That, that well, I'd asked earlier on because we were selling the magazine. Um, I'd asked one of the coppers in charge uh, how many Cardiff fans they were expecting and what time they were due, and I looked. At, I was asked uh, who I was. Why I wanted to know. <laughs> I was just, one, uh, quickly I was just wondering. Quickly told to officer. go my way and get out of the way. Yeah. Uh, I spoke to some other uh, policemen in charge who were actually square ball fans who do normally buy the magazine when they're not on duty, um, who said they were, they were stuck on the motorway. Well, if you're listening to this, can you, can you sort out your underlings? <laughs> <laughs> no back chat when Oddie wants his uh, <laughs> questions answered. Perhaps the club have taken the hint a little bit about the ticket prices because they've offered the deal for the QPR and Portsmouth tickets, which is... Uh, the game's either side of Christmas, isn't it? Saturday the 18th for QPR and Portsmouth is on Tuesday the 28th. Both Category A, but if you buy them together, they'll be priced at Category B prices, saving of up to ten whole pounds. That's like a DFS sale, though, where they just overpriced something in the first place <laughs> and then knock it off, knock the price off. Because oh, yeah, we, the, those aren't Category A games, no. I don't think. Why would Portsmouth yeah. be a Category A game? Well, the Saturday before Christmas one is always a sellout, so they've probably priced it at Category A for that. But then the Tuesday after Christmas against... Portsmouth. Yeah. No midweek game really should be, a, other than maybe a local derby. Yeah, but does, does Tuesday the 28th count because it's of the Christmas holidays, isn't it? Well, well, you, could, you could argue people are mosking. Yeah, you're listening. <laughs> yeah, Ken Bates. <laughs> and uh, they've also offered the uh, all the remaining home tickets now to combat the VAT rise in January. Again, if you're not familiar with this, uh, VAT in the UK going up from 17.5% to 20%, and they're offering tickets now so you can beat the £1 across the board price rise some of us live hand to mouth this isn't helpful no it's a nice deal if you if, if you've got the um, the cash around well, but... opinions fairly split isn't it that's the thing is this is it, is well, it, it is right to do it or is it, is it a bit greedy because if you've sat and worked it out with a calculator none of the prices should go up by by a pound it should be like 70p for the very top ticket shouldn't it yeah but can i mean how good are people at making change in the ticket office? You know, doing all those well, seventy p's. Why, and why do they seem unable to, to deal in fifty p's? Why does everything have to be pounds? You know, I mean, I know it might sound like it's splitting hairs, but at a time when people are struggling financially, hand to mouth, as you say, 
did not come down a pound though when the yeah, but it went down to fifteen percent. It's gone up a quid in the first place. That's yeah. the thing, you know. A two and a half percent rise in VAT is not. These aren't amounts that are going to stop people buying tickets, though, are they? Let's be fair. If, if anyone's if anyone's saying they're, yeah, I, I know, yeah, but I know you can't. You can't it's the yeah, you, yeah, you can't draw a line in it and say that's the point at which I will or won't. But it's about perceived value, isn't it? And and the and they're doing a bad job of seeming to offer value in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, there's two things here where that is in effect now a mini season ticket people can buy. Ahead before Christmas for the rest of the year, but it also fucks up anybody who's got a membership who would buy members' tickets go on sale a week before general sale, so you won't be able to buy any any seats you normally get being a member. Yeah, I get you. Uh, you won't be able to do that now. So is it penalising members? We're basically yeah. saying who've right. already paid up front to be a member in order to buy tickets ahead of general sale. Oh, let, plus, let, we've done um, half-season tickets before. We have, yeah. But Not at, since at Bates a, has been in charge. But at a deeper discount than than yeah, just yeah. Uh, the old VAT rate. I mean, selling a... It is like a, an expensive half-season ticket, is what it boils down to. Well, we, we could go on at length, couldn't we, about the fact that they seem to, to be very reticent to kind of offer any sort of incentives to get people to buy well, season tickets or buy in bulk, you know... Four nil defeat isn't really a, a big incentive, and that that is a, a factor as well. So yeah, not no, losing at home. Um, if you're having a fairly indifferent season, helpful. it's not a good way to attract new punters, is it? No. I mean, the problem is as well with the ticket prices. I can see where they're coming from because for League Cup games and things where the tickets have been a tenner, those are the lowest crowds still. So it's obviously not purely about the price because then you get a local derby and people are willing to pay thirty two quid, and it's more or less full. Whereas a tenner midweek, no one, and still no one's bothered sometimes. So I can sort of see where they're coming from on it. Well, Ken should maybe have a word with uh, the Football League and assuming they're all in the same division next season, demand that Sheffield United, Hull, Doncaster, all the local games are uh, midweek. Was I'm it- sure they'll accommodate him, they like him at the Football League. <laughs> so with all the uh, Halloween festivities fresh in the mind, we thought we would talk now about frightening moments supporting Leeds United. So let's go around the table then. Who wants to go first? Should we turn to Oddie first? Go on, tell us about yours. You've you've had longer on this planet than us, so you must have more stories. <laughs> well, my first thought was just Ken Bates when uh, we first moved with this idea. That scares me to fuck. Uh, <laughs> my other one was slightly Ken Bates influenced, um, being chased down Sloan Square tube station by about six Chelsea fans about 15, 20 years ago. That was quite scary. There was about six of them. Was there about 15? And girls. So I don't really care. <laughs> no, I'm joking, chased, obviously. Chased but... around London by 15-year-old girls. Were you in the Beatles? <laughs> the debates, that moment when you when you heard that he was interested, it was like there was a flash of lightning over uh, over Leeds. The rain started to pour. Temperature dropped a little, which is very much how it was with uh, with my frightening moments. Because I remember it was when um, we used to play um, Alex Ferguson's team. During the nineties, and because uh, I suppose being us four 0 and, and Wilkinson leaving, it wasn't enough evil for one afternoon. Ellen Road, but he, he began he began that tactic of bringing a substitute, warming him up in front of the West Stand, and then and then letting him letting him letting him onto the pitch in public. And I'm talking about Luke. I can barely say his name. Luke Luke Chadwick, <laughs> probably the most upsetting thing. <laughs> I've seen on on a football field. If if you ever if you ever see the footage of uh, Alan Smith's leg being broken at Old Trafford, just imagine Luke Chadwick's face was was pretty much 
the facial equivalent of, of that leg injury. It's one of the few things I, I pity uh, fans of Scum for, because they obviously... Uh, um, they also were exposed to it more than we were, but I suppose he was working for their forces, so perhaps, perhaps they were they had some kind of immunity. Got a similar theme on one from Twitter from uh, Peter Cox. Who said, any game featuring Gary Neville's eyeball offending face is usually high on the list of frightening <laughs> moments at Ellen Road. I think we can all agree with. That. And his brother might as well throw him in as well. Although he's reformed, is Phil. I feel like I feel like we can forgive him now. He's just somebody you feel a bit sorry for now for looking like that for having a brother like that. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Leeds fan. Tweets uh, Galatasaray and administration. They were both scary. Yeah, both particularly low points, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember the um, plane crash. I was I was woken up to that news by my particularly unsympathetic mother. I was um, I was a younger person in, in those days. I still live with her now, but I was a younger person in those <laughs> days. And uh, and she woke me up just with the news. Uh, morning, it's like you, you should. I hope be, she brought you a coffee. You should be. You should be going to school. Oh, and uh, Leeds United's plane crashed last night. Come on, get up. Whoa! <laughs> it was because uh, immediately all the thoughts that run through your mind are just well, they're all dead. Apart from George Graham, obviously, because we found out later he was uh, living it up in London. But um, yeah, a happy ending, I think, because we we got the uh, the pilot up for photo shoot and everything, and regarded him as a. As a bit of a hero. Media crashed the plane. Probably gave him a five-year contract. (laughs) Official pilot of Leeds United. Yeah, another one from that uh, from that era actually. Um, One from Lilo Man is that um, the move to the proposed move to Sturton in the Risdale era, um, and also the uh, the naming of the Leeds Lasers ice hockey team. (laughs) I I read um, how (laughs) nineties. Well, I read something today on um, on when Saturday comes website that that um do you remember when they they dragged that um formula one car in the leeds kit yeah, oh yeah. around the pitch and said we're sponsoring a, an f1 team well there's going to be a leeds united f1 team well a football team not f1 a1 or whatever it was yeah it? it's still going it. it is actually a viable league it's being bankrolled by an indian billionaire and they they are racing they race dead one races here in inner mongolia and uh, not outer mongolia <laughs> inner mongolia um, but yeah Anderlecht beat tottenham and they have it all on, it's like two 45-minute races to recreate football matches. Very weird sounding. But, um, I mean, that era was uh, Sven, Sven, Sven Carlson. We'll give him his, his full name because he's a, um, a brother of the square ball. He writes his column from Norway, says, if someone had told me it's half-time versus Valencia, we would get relegated twice and sell all our players, I'd have been scared. And he follows it up because uh, he's only got a limited number of characters on Twitter. Um, so, luckily, nobody did. We lived the dream instead. True nightmare. My own personal one I was going to go for is 48 minutes in against um, Bristol last season, last game of the year. I thought it was all. I thought it all fallen apart. I thought I was envisaging half the crowd next season, the good players all leaving, Bates still in charge, another new manager, another new set of players being brought in on freeze, another five years in League One, and thank God. It didn't quite pan out like that, but it it could have done. There was the, <laughs> Little uh, Johnny House. And, oh. uh, there was the end of the um, Ipswich game when we got relegated to Division 3 as well, when that just got drawn out and out, and there was Leeds fans fighting amongst each other after the pitch invasion. And You know, in a, a nightmare, things happen that you can't explain. I couldn't um, understand why I was standing in a, in a stadium where the team had just been relegated to its lowest point in its entire history and they brought Gary Kelly out on the pitch and, and gave him a like a commemorative plate to thank him for his <laughs> service and I was, I was just stunned as to why Alan Clark was there and Paul Reaney I think they were all 
clapping and smiling and, and everybody seemed happy that Gary Kelly had got a plate. Like, this is, we've never had a worse day than this in our entire existence. You know, you know that everything's going wrong, but everybody else seems fine. True Halloween, Halloween material. Um, as was losing 4-6 to Preston, as Lilo Man underscore LUFC on Twitter points out more recent this season is... Uh, is bringing us a few like that. Who would have imagined there'd be two DVDs of our shocking defeats already? <laughs> he also mentions the um, the JPT game um, against Bury, where it's a bitterly cold, beaten two one, and um, De Costa sent off. Oh, I was sat in the West Stand for that. I remember. Yeah, that was the the early JPT as well, when we didn't quite realise how much of it would there was still to come. <laughs> <laughs> when it was still a novelty, you mean? My uh, my particular memories. I've got two actually that I've uh, scribbled down for this, both from the eighties. One was um, at Middlesbrough away. It was the season we got promoted as well when they were still at Ayrson Park and it was only months after the Hillsborough disaster and they crammed far too many Leeds fans into the corner terrace in there to the point where you couldn't move um, and you couldn't breathe. And it was just a bit scary because I think I would have been, what, 11 at that point. And it was all a bit frightening and uh, the kid who used to it sit... Is, it is frightening for a kid in Middlesbrough. <laughs> <laughs> The kid who used to sit in front of me at Ellen Road in, back in those days got dragged over. They had those horrible spikes on, you know, the ones that look almost like flowers but with stabby screws in that spin round at the top of the fences. And he was dragged over them and I think he ruptured his spleen as well in the in the melee. Yikes. Yeah, and they and they finally took the uh, took the hint and opened the uh, the opposite uh corner, but we were separated by Middlesbrough fans. But we were just saying, you know, nobody wants to go fighting, nobody wants to riot. Everyone was just getting a bit scared because we were so tightly packed in. And again at the fences at the front they're just saying open the gates, let us out. Eventually they did, but that was a pretty scary moment for an eleven year old. That's one thing on the you know that second coming D V D that they brought out last year. That actually has uh, the footage of that that um I don't think's have been out anywhere else. So that was a, an eye opener to actually see because heard about it happening i think actually the first issue of the square ball ever has um has complaints and reports from that game um, and yeah and you can you can but maybe we can pick you out in the on the footage <laughs> my other one was was actually violence related and it was i can't remember what year it was i think it was about 83 at barnsley away as well and there was some sort of full-scale riot going on and we were in their main stand right next to the tunnel because we were sort of travelling, I think, with the family bit at that point because I was on, I was only a, a wee lad. And people started running around across the pitch at each other. I don't know if it was Barnsley fans running at Leeds fans or vice versa, but it wasn't pleasant. And I remember, uh, I think it was either a policeman or a, or a steward, just came and plucked me out of the stand at the very front and started marching me off like for my own safety. And I'm, like, I'm not going anywhere where my, my mum and dad... <laughs> You're going to prison. <laughs> Well, thankfully, it wasn't that. Oh, imagine a prison. Imagine a Barnsley prison. Um, For children. <laughs> um, I think they call them schools. <laughs> but took all three of us and we went straight up the players' tunnel and we were stood in the dressing rooms, bizarrely enough. Is that when the, the fear... And that's when it kicked in, yeah. <laughs> seeing, seeing footballers in jock straps peering out the door wondering what was going on. But that was... Uh, that was a strange one. But yeah, the, the, the South Yorkshire police noted for their friendliness towards football crowds. Uh, uh, one of the officers in charge, I think, he led the three of us, me, my mum and dad, round the pitch after it had all quieted down and the ground was empty. We collected all the money that had been thrown, all the coins, and I think I made literally pounds. Well, a uh, related violence topic, um, Johnny Cash, 76, from Twitter, who... You wouldn't have thought he'd be frightened of anything since he killed a man in Reno just to watch him die, but um, Roma 2000 apparently <laughs> Obscure was... Obscure uh, references there for your listener. It's, 
Um, Roma 2000, he says, I don't know what was more frightening, the Rome coppers or the scooter boys with blades. And I actually found myself in Rome on the uh, the night of the Rome derby. And me and my mate there, we, we discussed for a while, like, maybe we could go. And we spoke to um, an Italian who we were, we were there with. He says to him, what do you reckon the chances are of us getting a ticket for the big game tonight? And he's just like... His hands came. It was like, boys, boys, boys. Don't even... No, 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 no. I imagine he had a moustache and a... You made it sound hey. like you were singing this in the, uh, the YMCA. Though. He said... I, boys, boys, boys. He said, I, I've made you all this delicious spaghetti. <laughs> what do you want to watch the football? Anyway. I was picturing him having an Uncle Monty character. Yeah, so Rome, hairy place after dark when um, <coughs> um, you want to see a football game. On a similar theme, actually, of our... Um, Overseas adventures at Lee DSU, being in a Spanish football ground with the police battening Leeds fans at random as they leave the ground. It's a nice, nice friendly approach. Oh, random, it's not like it's personal. Can't bear a grudge. No, they're not noted for being sympathetic towards English fans, are they? I don't think. The only other mm. one I can think of was it, trying to explain that um, on Valentine's Day I'd be going to Huddersfield Ooh. a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's the clincher. It was an early kickoff, so it, it was it was fine. Was my argument? How are you finding life with no balls? <laughs> I've got a lovely evening together. You can put me to bed when I get home. I'm taking you to Kirkley's. <laughs> I suppose the fear we're left with is the is is the fear of the the recently known that we're living with this season. The fear that we could get relegated. We could we could end up back there. It could happen. It's Halloween. We can say it. We can <laughs> say it happen. now. Don't let that. No. No, it's fine. It's all. I mean, these things are just dreams. They're just nightmares. You wake up in the morning, and uh, Johnny House has scored a hat trick. <laughs> Don't have nightmares. Let's turn our attention now then to another roller coaster fortnight in store for us Leeds fans. Um, three games to look forward to now. Use the term "look forward to" in the very loosest sense of the word. Coventry away is coming up, followed by Hull City at home, another Yorkshire derby. And the Yokels from Bristol coming up to see us in a home match as well. We can win these. <laughs> we'll, we'll piss it. Uh, <laughs> Two of them are away. We'll win those, hopefully. All right, confidence immediately dashed. Two of them are at home, at home anyway. But Who are we playing at home? Godheads. Well, then we're going to lose all of them. We'll, 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 lose well past form, we'll lose. we've just won a game, so yeah. we'll lose two and win against Bristol City. Well, sounds about that right. Sounds let's, about right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's, let's be scientific then. If we we've can. lost just one one, so now we're going to lose two and win against Bristol City. Yeah, that's uh, it. The Coventry lot, AD Booth Roy, they're doing quite well, riding quite high. Are we capable of of doing all right against a, a team that's more long ball and is not possibly going to try and pass through us? I say yes. capable. I'm not saying we're going to do better. I'm asking, are we capable? Yes and no. Mm. <laughs> the Coventry's recent form is a little bit worrying. They they only lost to Cardiff two one. Uh, which is better than we did, and then they beat Barnsley three 0 which is much better than we we'll did. Lose eight two. They, they beat Sheffield United. <laughs> That's how it works, isn't it? They got the standard one 0 win over uh, Sheffield United, so they are and they are fourth, so they are probably quite good. I have a I have an issue. I have a comp- not an issue. I have a complaint about Gary McSheffrey of uh, Coventry City, who has been interviewed today in the Coventry Telegraph. Uh, um, and uh, what do we remember about Gary McSheffrey's time? Not at a lot, United? really. He was yeah. shit and he scored a goal that was a miss-hit cross. Well, McSheffrey admits, he says to the Coventry Telegraph, that he expected an offer from Leeds after uh, seeing out the last five months of his Birmingham City contract on loan at Elland Road. They had first dabs on me to stay there, said McSheffrey. 
Michael Doyle played 55 games for them last year and I think the first two signings they should have made in the summer were me and Doyler. Doyler? Yeah, no. <laughs> he continues, but Simon Grayson and his staff didn't want me. It's as simple as that. Can I just stop you there before you go on? So yeah. what he's basically saying is he would rather be playing for the opposition. No, no, no. No, no he's not finished. He's not finished by Sorry, do go, do go on, Gary. chalk. Simon Grayson and his staff didn't want me. It's as simple as that. I haven't spoken to him since I left, which I find a bit disappointing on a, a man-to-man basis. <laughs> you expect better man management, really. A bit more... Point of order. He's not your manager. Anyway, <laughs> you expect better man management, really. A bit more respect. But that's all in the past now, and there are no sour grapes. I took a hell of a wages drop to come back to Coventry. Reason one, you didn't sign for Leeds. <laughs> Before we even come back to the standard of your play while you were here. On a one-year contract, but it's proved a great decision for me. I'd rather play for less money and be part of something where I'm wanted than playing something where I'm really not rated. It's been great to get my game back on track and score some goals, but more important, be part of a decent team. Well, if he tried that when he was with us, then... And he's not, not and he's not taken a wage cut. It was out of contract. He would have, if he'd have he decided would, to stay there, it would have been paid nothing. Plus, he was terrible when he was here. <laughs> we we were excited when this um, fuckface arrived. <laughs> One of us thought he was going to be the key to our success. <clears throat> Seem to remember. Yeah. And now, because, which idiot was that? Because he scored a mighty four goals for Coventry City this season, compared to uh, what's Becky all scored so far this season? Eight summer eight. <laughs> <laughs> have some nine <laughs> just make up things he's managed he's in managed one game? bloody four goals he suddenly thinks they should have signed me and Michael Doyle first signings and they won't even speak to me anymore what's he expecting is Simon Grace just phoning if he phoned up every player we had last season he'd never be off the fucking phone just uh, how are you now are you, are you recovering from playing shit for Leeds United when we put a little bit of faith in you we were a decent team Gary McSheffrey until you came and tried to screw up our promotion did left wing striker I nah. broken legs all round Coventry that's all I want I don't care if we win lose or draw what Gary McSheffrey to leave on a not even on a stretcher he has to crawl off the pitch are we going to beat Hull then Hull are a good team <laughs> Oh, the Coventry, before we finish, they've got that short-ass keeper that nearly stopped and nearly got Carlisle promoted, uh, Westwood. I'd say Johnson has a uh, has a chance of scoring because he's a very very little fellow. Agile, but small. Anyway. Yeah, so we'll By we... chances of scoring, you mean we're moving the goals into the back of their stand? <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to make it dip. So, yeah, Hull and Bristol at home. Come on, then, let's uh, let's crack on with these. Somebody else speak. I've got to calm down. <laughs> It was right. It did wind him up that piece, didn't it? Do you know what? I've got no idea where Hull are in the table. Where are Hull in the table? They're not doing very well, are they? They are. No, they're not. Um, I'll tell you, 20th. Right, so they'll be bang up for that then. This is a one game a season where they'll bother to turn up. Well, I'm not going to that game, so that's the game we'll probably win at home this season. It's, it is midweek though, isn't it? It's a so Tuesday. We don't do Tuesdays. Oh dear. <laughs> I think we called it quite well right at the start of the season, saying we will lose as many as we'll win. And I, the way it's looking, our end of season table will probably read... One lost and drawn, all about the same amount. The way the way our form's going, so it's just a goal difference. It's going to be shocker. All right then, okay. So Coventry, don't know. Hull, not sure. Hull, Hull <laughs> have City that. Um, could go either way. Hull right. have We're that. We're done then. That's that then. then. <laughs> Hull have the Cardiff thing of a, of a slightly intimidating squad on paper. You look down there, you know, um, trying to find out. Paul McShane. Um, I mean, Heidi High. Heidi High. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a um, large man in a tartan suit. He's 
which uh, is an intimidating defender. But Nick Barnby, the, Le- the Leeds legend, um, <laughs> seems to have found a, a bit of a second wind in in this division. He's doing all right for them, really. Um, How old scored, is he now? Uh, a million years old. Is he? He still looks right. 12. Um, <laughs> John Bostock, who is like an outrageously talented Spurs loney. Jimmy Bullard, who's thankfully not fit, because can you imagine our midfield facing... Uh, Facing him, Jimmy Ball. I think James Harper's quite good. Kevin Kilban used to be good. Robert no, he's Curran. Terrible is Kevin Kilban. <laughs> Robert I've, got, Curran. I've got a real thing about Kilban. I think he's one of the worst footballers we've ever seen. Well, we'd probably. He's, he's going to score now. We'd give obviously. him a go at left back for Leeds, though. Probably. Uh, they got Robert Curran, who uh, turned us down from the money, if some are rumours to believe. Solano. Assuming charges have been dropped. They got Jay Simpson. Arsenal striker as was. You know you're just listing players now. I know, I know. Caleb Folan, was he ours once? He was once. Yeah. So we'll win that. <laughs> so we're not, we're not quite sure. Check back in a fortnight is about the, the summary. We could probably say that all year, can't we? And keep this section really short. More or less. The, the Scunthorpe game summed it up. The first half we were terrible. The second half we came out and just took them apart. We could have had even more than the four goals. The thing about the way Housen's goals went in against Scunthorpe is it kind of said that Worrying too much about the goals we conceded to Barnsley, Preston, Cardiff. It was noticeable that they all came in clumps. And, you know, we conceded one, we conceded three. And it's good that when we do actually score a goal, we turn two into four against Gunthorpe just as quickly as teams to turn two against into four against us. We should just um, give up on defending. Well, we should maybe just acknowledge that the cliche that I this is a, a wacky decision. I liked it in the last minute against Scunthorpe. We had the ball down in the corner and Bruce ran forward to tell him to keep it in the corner. We'll follow one up. <laughs> it just shows how much faith he has it is. He was, was yelling at because Gray had it down in the I think it was Gray had it down in the corner. And he was just gesturing, going, Get, keep it back, keep it in there. It's, it's injury time. They're not going to score... You surely don't think they're going to score three in injury time. We're going to have to face um, England's goalkeeper as well as well against, uh, against Bristol. Um, although apparently he claimed he was drunk when the offer for, to play for Bristol came in, and he's also complained that they uh, they don't fly to away games. Culture shocks setting in. So if we can maybe I don't know how do we, how do we shock David? He could pay James? for his own flights if he was bothered, <clears throat> or he could just stop whinging about it like, yeah. like a pampered um, Premier League. Saul Campbell's there, I think. It'll be on his way. Who knows? Eh? Right, let's press on then because we can't predict anything. So we won't predict anything. We'll just close our eyes and hope for the best. Uh, to the mailbag then. Uh, regular correspondent with the podcast, Rich Aspinall, uh, got in touch with us. Uh, he dropped us an email to say... He said, hello again. Just listened to you talking about Gordon Strachan in the pod and remind me of Howard Wilkinson's delightful turn of phrase. Once he described Strachan's work rate like this. In that game, he was ringing on energy dredged up from somewhere approximate to his loins. To this day, I have no idea what he means, but what a delight. The fact he was sporting a flying pizza hat made it all the sweeter. <laughs> I remember those. Flying pizza being a, a, an Italian restaurant in Leeds. He used to always wear something amusing. There was a, I think it might be the the, uh, the championship video where they're interviewing Wilkinson and he's talking quite in quite a sombre tone about something. And he's got a tracksuit, which is clearly written the word boss on with a, <laughs> with a marker pen. <laughs> Just little touches like that. He didn't care about how he, uh, how he looked. The- or how he sounded, <laughs> or what, how he came across, whether he was making any sense. I think um, approximate to his loins is probably talking about his testicles. If, we, if it's been bothering Rich for a while, it's my best guess. Gordon Strachan's testicles. I like how uh, Rich signed that email off as well. No wonder the FA is in such a mess. What, is he still is doing fault? anything at the FA? 
old Howard. He's chairman he's, at Wednesday now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's trying to fight off, um, trying to keep them in business while fighting off their sort of less charitable fans. I don't know if he's actually doing anything at the FA anymore. Let's have him back at least. Put him in charge of the, the restaurant. Team. The restaurant. <laughs> His restaurant. It looks Maitre D. He can be Maitre D at Howard's. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us like Rich did, you can email podcast at thesquareball.net. Find us on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter. That's at thesquareball. Uh, so last time out, we did a book competition and we drew one person out at random. No, um, we're not going to do some... Oh, we're drawing it now. <laughs> Who's it going to be? All right, then, let's, uh, I'll do a little drum roll. Hang on. Glamorous assistance. It is... <laughs> <laughs> Peter Smithson. Hey. Anyway, we'll be in touch. Or, um, yeah, well done, you'll Peter. You'll be in touch with us if we haven't... Yeah, we've got, got your details. Yeah, he entered via Twitter. Uh, we'll get in touch and we'll sort you out with that book. Uh, still a chance for you to win another copy of that book as well. If which you... book? Have we mentioned which book? Leeds United on this day by Joe Mewis. Is it a good read? It's a, a bloody dandy read. Has Peter won an excellent prize that we all we all that haven't won should go and buy? Indeed. Yeah. Well, well done, Peter. I bet you feel even smugger now. Now we've mentioned what you've won. <laughs> well, the. the uh, the publisher sent me some copies of this out, but uh, I think somebody in the post office has nicked them because they've not arrived. So, so, so is there not a prize? <laughs> <laughs> I might have to write a book <laughs> to get this prize out. We could send him a book token. Uh, and if you want to win another non-existent copy of this book, uh, you can do. There's another chance in the Squareball magazine as well. You can buy that online, of course, at the squareball.net forward slash shop or you can grab it in person at the next home match. Pay for it, man. Don't, <laughs> don't just take it. Uh, yeah, and speaking of the magazine, that is issue three that's out now that we mentioned at the uh, the start of the podcast. It's featuring the Lucas Radebeck cover. Pull-out poster as well of Lucas, designed by thebeatengeneration.co.uk. There's the African theme throughout. Moscow, your article on 2001 slash two. Oddie, your uh, fireworks guide. Very topical now, because we've got uh, Bonfire Night here in the UK coming uh, this coming Friday. What else is in there? Uh, Simon Ricks of the Kaiser Chiefs, uh, who appeared on a previous podcast. He's uh, a delightful little rant in there. All sorts of stuff going on, as I mentioned. Squareball.net forward slash shop. You can buy that any time of day or night via the shop. And you can get the PDF version as well, the digital version, uh, via the shop too, which has no postage costs involved. Uh, you can, of course, get subscriptions for this season as well. You'll get all three of the issues that are out so far for the princely sum of £1 each. I bet it's the best pound anybody would spend today. You didn't mention the, the Lucas Radley interview. It's not just not just on the cover. Lucas Radley interview by your good self. It's modesty presented, prevented you from mentioning it, but it's an excellent read. Super. I'm, I'm glad you think so. I really do. And if that is all for this podcast, shall we say farewell? Goodbye. <laughs> See you later. Oh, gone. Right. Goodbye then to Michael Normanton. Cheerio. Moscow White's already. Oh, he's back. Say bye then, quickly. Bye. And say goodbye, Foddy. <laughs> goodbye. Uh, we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. That's around the week of the 15th of November. I'll be previewing more exciting football action from the Empower Championship then. Thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.